So let's just get right into it. So sure. when, when, you know, how is it calculated how much money you're going to get? Because, you know, in the mortgage business, I'll do a loan app. And one guy gets 1000 one guy gets 2000 one guy gets three. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And it's a pretty common question we get all the time. Um, it's based on the years you work, right? So you have to pay in first. Okay. It's, it's 10 years of paying Social Security wages. So they look at 40 quarters, right? They don't have to so be consecutive. The last, it's the last 10 years? 10 years total. So as long as you work 10 years, to 10 years total, right, you qualify, you qualify. For, for Social Security. Now, okay. how they calculate it is... Right, wait, wait, wait. You're saying if you don't work 10 years, then you don't get Social Security. That's correct. You I've have to work 40 quarters paying Social Security wages. If you don't work 40 quarters, they don't have to be consecutive, but then you do not qualify. Wow. So make sure, first and foremost, <laughs> you work your 40 quarters, right? <laughs> right? That's really important. All right. But the way they're calculated is a little confusing. They use the average of your 35 highest working years. Okay. So let me repeat that, right? So average, it's an average of your 35 highest working years. But if you don't have 35 average working years, they put a zero in place of the years that you don't have 35. Oh, that's not good. And they still calculate a 35-year average. So as an example, when I was a young kid, my dad went to work. My mom stayed home with the kids. Dad had more working years than mom did. Mom had more zeros than dad. So hers is lower. Hers is going to be a lot lower, right. So that's how they calculate the benefit. Most people don't understand that. All right, what else do we need to know about, about how much you're going to receive? The longer you work... The longer you work, the higher your benefit's going to be. And conversely, if you work less years, the less your benefit's going to be. Okay. So it actually makes a lot of sense to be working a little bit longer because you start building up those average working years, those higher average working years. So what's the maximum somebody could get? I mean, if one guy makes a million dollars a sure. year, is, he gonna, is there a number where it maxes out? So Steve, it's capped. Your wages are capped, right? For this year, your wages are capped at about $160,000. So if I you mean, make more than that, you really don't get any You make more point. than 160, you're capped at 160, that your benefit is capped out. So uh, for a person who, let's say, is average 67 years old, full retirement age, your, your maximum benefit will be about $3,600 a month. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's if you paid in the maximum. If for, you maxed for, the you maxed out the entire time, about thirty six hundred bucks a month. All right, and then um, so well then let's move into so when when do you want to claim it? Because some people say early, some people say wait. So how do you coach people on when they take? Something? So ideally, we do a lot of consulting with married couples, yeah. right? We always typically say the person who's the higher wage earner should probably take their benefits at full retirement age. Right? That's, which is? Which is typically could be 65, 66, or 67. It's based on the year you were born. Okay. So it's important to understand that too. Uh, how does that play in? So full retirement age means you get your full benefits at full retirement age. So for example, my full retirement age is 67. If I wait to claim my benefits at 67, I get full benefits. No reductions, no restrictions, no penalties. However... If I took my benefits early, let's say at age 62, the earliest age you could take it, I get a 30% reduction in my benefits. And that's permanent over your lifetime. Uh, that's important. All right, so if I'm gonna sit down with a professional, what information does he want to figure out when my maximum, how I max the thing out? So every year, what's interesting, you can go on um, onto www.ssa.gov, it's the government website, uh -huh. 
You create yourself your own My Social Security account, and you literally can get your statement literally every year and go through your so earnings. So they already have my W-2s. They, they have everything on there, but it's important. This is very important that you check to make sure it's accurate. Because they're not going to tell you if there's something wrong or they misreported something. Does that so happen very much? It happens a lot. It happens quite quite frequently. Who does it mostly happen to? Is it a W two guy? Self Pretty much W two guy. W two people. Yeah, they'll 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 misappropriate or they'll miscalculate it. Um, like for example, one year I was looking through my earnings and there was a year where it said zero zero earnings, and I said. Well, I know I made earnings that year. I know it wasn't zero. So I called my CPA. We had a copy of our W-2. We had a copy of our tax return. We sent it in to Social Security. They immediately corrected it. But had I just let that go, then they would have used one of those years, that year in zero, to calculate my benefits. I would have got a lot less. But it will tell you on that page what year is the best Absolutely. for you to retire. Yes, it will. Yeah. Okay. So is 62 the earliest you can get your Social Security? Yeah, it's the earliest age, but they'll tell you three years that are on your statement. 62, full retirement age, whether that's 65, 66, or 67, or you can wait till 70. Now, that's interesting because if you wait till 70, your benefits grow about 8% a year up to age 70, plus any cost of living adjustment. Now, if you're older than 70, there's no benefit in waiting until after 70 to take So everybody should take it. Everybody should take it at least until when they get 70, okay. right? So if you're looking to maximize your benefits, ideally, 70 is the age where you want to maximize your benefits. But you also have to take into consideration longevity, your health history, your family history. There's a lot of factors that go into that. If somebody just took their benefits at 62, they're giving up about 30% over their over their lifetime okay you know so I, I there's a reason why some people might want to take it at 62 if you're single if you're single and you're not married maybe you want to take it early instead of taking it later um if your health history warrants you know you don't have anybody in your family that's lived a long time maybe you want to take it early you at 62. you might not get it you might not get it later so there's a lot of factors but you got to keep into consideration if you take your benefits early and you're married you're also hurting your spouse too. As an, as I'll give you an example. Let's say my, my benefit was $2,000, $2,000 at full retirement age, but $1,500 at age 62. And I decided to take it at 62. And then my wife doesn't have enough earnings. So she wants to take benefits off of me, spousal benefits off of me. I've just hurt her over my lifetime because if something were to happen to me and I die, my wife gets the benefit of stepping up to my benefits. All right, now, all right, so explain stepping up to your benefit sure. to the spouse. Sure. So if you're married and one person passes away, then you have the option of stepping up to the higher benefit, but you lose the lesser benefit. So you can only so you get to pick one of the you, two. One, well, the, higher, the higher check, you pick the higher check. But if I've taken my benefits early at age 62, I've reduced that amount now, and if I pass away, women live longer than men. I've just hurt my wife, meaning she's going to get less money and outlive me. So the average couple, if, if, if the one that's making the most money needs to hold out as long as they can? They should. Okay. But, but again, it all depends on how much income they need. Do they need that income right away? That's why we always say don't just make a haste decision Talk to a consultant, talk to a financial advisor, 
have a plan of what you want to do and how much income you're going to need because it's not just simple turning it on. Okay, now uh, when I do a loan, it'll say taxable and non-taxable. Right. What does that mean? So, so on tax, your tax return. Yeah, so taxable and non-taxable. About 40 to 50% of the people that collect benefits today, their benefits are taxed. Now, you might say, well, I thought we were taxed already when we earned them. We were. You, you were. <laughs> You're also taxed when you start receiving them, too. So you might say that that's double taxation, and right. that really is how it works. It's based on your income level. So what they do is when you retire and take your Social Security, they look at what your income level is, and you have to stay within a certain bracket. If you go over that, that number, then they can tax your benefits up to 50%, sometimes up to 85% on your benefits. So is there a maximum amount that you can earn in order to receive the full Social Security? Yeah, so if you're, I'll give you an example, married filing jointly, okay? okay? Um, if you were to keep your income, they call it provisional income. What okay. that really means, simplify it, it means they take half of your Social Security benefits, they add all of your sources of income, including farm income, rental income, uh, dividend income, capital gains, any income from your municipal bonds. They add up all your sources of income, plus half your Social Security, and you have to stay within a certain level of income. So for example, if you exceed $33,000 of income, then up to 50% of your Social Security benefits are taxed at the ordinary income rate. Okay. If you go over $44,000 of income, up to 85% of your benefits are taxed at the ordinary income rate. And then what's the minimum that you don't get taxed? The minimum is 30, if you keep your income under $33,000. So that's why you see a lot of retired people saying, oh, sure. work two hours. Yeah, they don't want to work. Yeah, they don't want to have a lot of income come in. They're but trying some, to stay under 33. But Steve, sometimes it's hard to avoid. You know, if you have a 401k at work or, you know, you have other sources of income, you have a business, you have rental income, sometimes it's hard to avoid mm -hmm. having that income come into into your household in, in retirement. It's not household income, it's individual It's income. individual income, okay. right? But if you're married filing jointly and you're filing a joint return, they look at joint income. Oh, they do? Yeah. So joint income can't be over 30. That's correct, yeah. Oh, and think about how low that is. That's only uh, $3,000 a month. Yeah, that's, that's not much. When you think about it. So most people, that's a surprise for most people when they start collecting Social Security that their benefits are taxed. And the best source of that is Go to your CPA, your accountant. If you do your own taxes, make sure you're keeping track of that because they will tax your benefits. Okay. All right. And then what about if you're married and you get divorced? Yeah. You know, I have a funny story about that too. I was out in uh, Myrtle Beach about six, six weeks ago and we were doing a workshop and this woman, Mary, she's about 59 years old, she comes up to me and she says, can you explain, I'm divorced, I was married to a former CEO of a major tire company and he got remarried and I'm living with my boyfriend, Ed, and you know he's running his own construction business but we're living together. Can you explain how that works? I said, it's very easy. If you're divorced, they use the 10 and two rule. I like to think, Steve, when we learned how to drive, we put our hands on the wheel at 10 and two, right? Right. So it's, it says, married for 10 years, Divorced for two. So the rule of divorce is you have to be married for at least 10 years, divorced for two. If you are... To that guy. To that guy, Our right? Yeah, to that person that you divorced, okay? If that's the case, then you can start collecting benefits 
on that person as early as age 62, and they don't even have to know about it. You just walk into Social Security, you file the paperwork, wow. and you can start. Now, here's the, the, the funny story. Mary says to me, I'm 59. She says, are you telling me at age 62 that I can start collecting benefits off of my ex-husband? And I said, yes, as long as you stay single, because the rule says you have to stay unmarried. Oh. So I'm talking to Mary, and, the, and Ed says, well, I thought we were getting married. And she said, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> so, so in that scenario, if, they got, if the, her ex got, what would you say, it was three grand a month? Yeah, 3600 How much would she get? If, if she waited till full retirement yeah. age, she gets that full $3,600. And so that's... 70 or, or whatever her right, or, or she'll get half of that you know the spousal benefit so she'll get half of that she gets half of his half number. of his full retirement age number yeah that's a good little number of course it is yeah which is by the way we joke but it's why most people you know don't get married nope. older in life right they they start living together because once they get married remember once they get married it's that 10-year clock starts all over again <laughs> right married for 10 years Divorced for two. So a lot of people live together and collect benefits off their ex-spouse. It's That's, pretty smart. Yeah. So okay, is there a Social Security local one in most communities or whatever um, major town? In most communities. You know, here you know, here in Atlanta, it's probably in uh, you know in downtown Atlanta, but right. you might have a few um, Marietta or Alpharetta. You can get an somewhere. appointment or something. You make an appointment with a Social Security administrator. That would be the best thing to do. Sit down and go through your situation with them or, or talk to a consultant or advisor. All right, how about Medicare? Medicare is interesting um, because you qualify for Medicare when you're age 65, but your enrollment period is a seven-month enrollment period. So you can enroll anytime three months before your 65th birthday, the month of, and three months after your, your 65th birthday. So it's seven months of the enrollment period. You don't want to miss that enrollment period. Because if you miss that enrollment you period, you got to wait another whole year before you do it. And there could be penalties because you didn't sign up when you should have signed up. And they could assess penalties to you. So Medicare, I like to always say it's the ABCDs of Medicare. We learned the ABCs. A is hospitalization. B is medical insurance. C is Medicare Advantage, depending on your state. And D is prescription drugs. So if you just remember that, A, hospital, B, medical insurance, C, Medicare Advantage, and then D, prescription drugs. All right, so how do they, how do, so, so when you get Medicare, then you don't have to have your own, that's not, is that part of the Obamacare? Or? Nope, it's not part of Obamacare. It's a separate thing. It's, it's separate completely. But, but that's Medi all you need. But that's there's original answer. Medicare and there's Medicare Advantage. Now, the distinction between the two is that original Medicare, think of it as a la carte. You're, you're kind of picking and choosing what the parts that you want. Okay. Medicare Advantage is a bundle, what we call a bundled plan, meaning all of those parts are bundled together and you're paying one premium so what are the for different that bundle plans. So the different parts, again, are A, B, you know, A and uh, okay. B, right? So, so part A, part B, so and part D. So why would I want in hospital? Well, a couple things. If, if uh, you want to reduce, your, sometimes people want to reduce their cost of what they're paying. Yeah. So they want to go to Medicare Advantage. It could be a little bit less costly than doing the a la carte. But there are some advantages and disadvantages. The disadvantages are you have to stay within their network of doctors. Uh, so, you know, my father is an example. You know, he's got heart disease and diabetes and he's got issue, uh, issues there with Parkinson's. If he has a specialty doctor or specialist, 
he might not be able to go to that doctor if he's on Medicare Advantage. You have to stay within their network. Okay. So he does a la carte. Right. So a la carte. But so I guess I'm, I'm my, I guess what I'm struggling with is why wouldn't you pick all of them? Most people the do. Most people do. Seventy-five percent to eighty percent of people pick Medicare, the original Medicare a la carte. Okay. Right. So it's based on your income. Your premiums are based on your income. So they look at what your filing is. Now this is important. Every year they do a look back on your income. They do a two-year look back on your income every single year. So if there was one year, Steve, that you know you and your wife made a lot of money that year and you went through the brackets, your premiums could be a lot higher that year, that next year. They have the ability to raise your premiums. It's a two-year average or the most recent they, average? Every year they do a two-year look back. So this year's 2023. They would look back at 2021 at income, income in 2021. That That's right. So what's the max somebody pays for that? Uh, the maximum can be anywhere up to uh, over $580 just for Part B, for Part B, your medical insurance. Part D can be anywhere around $120 maximum. That still sounds like it's not much more. Than that's seven hundred dollars a month per person. Yeah, that's so. If you're married, cheap. that's fourteen hundred dollars just for medical insurance. We're not even including your co-pays, your co-deductibles, your co-insurance. All right, let's talk any out-of-pocket. Let's right, talk about that. It's important. Copay. So, is there always a copay with Medicare? Always a copay with Medicare. Yep. And yep. it depends on what you're doing. Yep, it depends. Part A and Part B have copays. Um, 50 bucks, 2,500. It's about $280 a year for part B, you know, for, for part A for hospitalization. Um, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. It's about $150 for a copay out of pocket pharmacy. Um, they only pay up to a certain amount and then there's something called the donut hole. And that's, you might've heard that it's kind of interesting. You get to a certain point where they only pay so much and then they have a donut hole. A donut hole means <coughs> once you reach that level of payment, then you're out of pocket for a certain amount of your prescription drugs until you reach another level of payment. And then there's another copay. So, so prescription drugs are interesting because it depends. If you're healthy, it's not an issue. If you're not healthy and you're on several prescription drugs, it can be very costly to you. You're on blood pressure medication or anything else, it could be pretty costly over time. And I guess, so I guess you'd want to try to get generics on as much of that as you, you could. You could, but sometimes you can't take generics. My, my father couldn't take generic drugs. He needed a certain, certain prescription one. and it, it's pretty costly in retirement. I mean, that's what we talk about Medicare and the cost of living. You talk about inflation today, prescription drugs are going up by 15 to 20% a year. Wow. And the cost of prescription drugs alone. So stay healthy, exercise and stay healthy. <laughs> so is there, so there's certain places that, I mean, can there, I guess there are certain doctors that can say we don't take Medicare, just like I don't take somebody not, else. Not typically, Steve. Most doctors today have, you know, have to take Medicare. Hospitals uh, Are required do. to, most hospitals do, yeah. So, so they might not, they might take Medicare. I mean, unless you're going to a private doctor and he says completely, you know, hands off. No insurance. Uh, but there's some rules today that that preclude that from happening. They have to take, you know, a certain number well, like of what? Medicare patients. What kind of rules on that? Well, once they get to a, let's say you have a private doctor that only wants to have a certain number of patients, then he can take a certain number of Medicare patients compared to the total number. So the doctors, are they, do they like the Medicare or do they think it's too cheap for what they do? I'm not sure if they like it or not, but they have to, you know, they have to adhere to the, the system. You know, right. most people are on Medicare, especially, you know, when you reach 65 and older. 
So you um, tell everybody when they get to 65 they need to do that? You know, most, doctor, most doctors make more money on prescription drugs probably than they do on, on Medicare. Oh. You know, so. But yeah, we tell people, you know, when they're, when they're older to, you know, go on to Medicare. I mean, I, I mean, that's probably the most efficient way that they can manage their health and their, their health expenses. The one struggle that we find, Steve, the challenge we find is that most people don't know, don't know how much it's going to cost. They underestimate. The, the cost of the Medicare cost of and medical. the cost of medical. So it sounds to me like it's a grand to two grand a month. Yeah, it, and, and for an average healthy 65-year-old couple, it could be anywhere between, you know, 7500 and about $7,500. Um, a year? Yeah. So, it, you know, it could be pretty costly to them. And depending on how healthy they are. Yeah. So if a guy's still working and he works for an IBM or something yep. like that, does he want to stay with that insurance or go to Medicare? Well, most of the time your insurance supersedes, you know, a Medicare insurance, right? You have, you have a good hospital. You have a good hospital plan uh -huh. at your work. Um, you're better off with your hospital plan at work than you are with, you know, with Medicare. But do you still need to file anyway for Medicare? You file for Part A. Part A is we call it free, but it's you've been paying for Part A out of your paycheck for a long time. So when you turn 65, if you still have insurance with your company, you apply for part A, you don't have to apply for part B or part D, but part A is hospitalization. What I meant by supersede is in most cases, you sign up for Medicare part A. Most of the time, company pl hospital plans are much better. They provide better coverage than what Medicare is gonna provide when you're working. So you work with a lot of financial advisors. I do. Yeah. Yep. So if you were, you had, if you had some person, a neighbor or somebody, and says, "Hey, I need a, I need a good financial advisor." What would, how would you, what kind of questions would you ask them to try to figure out who you would put them with? What, what do you think are the, the key things? That well, first and foremost, I would say if I was consulting with, let's say, a, a client looking for a financial advisor, you want to ask your financial advisor. You know what they know about social security do they have any planning tools to help plan for social security mm -hmm. when you're going to take it what the differences are in taking it from 62 to you know full retirement age there's a lot of different calculators today steve that financial advisors can use they so should have that they should have you know access to that um, mm -hmm. and then secondly you know you don't have to be an expert necessarily on Social Security and, and um, Medicare, there are well, specialists. Well, they can call you. Right, they can call me, or <laughs> there's specialists that write, you know, write <clears throat> Medicare out there, healthcare consultants that write it out there. But they have to have a working knowledge of Social Security. So, and does your normal Medicare. financial advisor is he going to write that Medicare thing, or is he going to send you to somebody? Most else? of them are not going to write it. They're going to send you to like a guy that sells. Send health you to a Medicare, like either write Medicare supplements or to a healthcare consultant who's local in their area who's going to write health insurance for that person. But they have to have a working knowledge. I think the biggest challenge that I find is that most financial advisors don't have a working knowledge of Social Security. And, uh, and Medicare, which is why we created our company to help advisors learn a little bit more about it and navigate through it. So if somebody out there has an advisor, they can give them your name and number and the advisor can Absolutely. call you yeah. and you can consult with, hey, call yeah. your guy. Absolutely, yeah. All right, so you spent some time selling annuities. Yes, sir. So, you know, I see on TV, this one guy says, don't ever buy an annuity or whatever. So what would you tell people about annuity? When, when's it good? When's it not? Well, Steve, I think the interesting thing is that if you define what an annuity is, it's a typically annuities are guaranteed sources of lifetime income. 
So if you just simplify that for a second, it's annual, annual, monthly, quarterly. That's what annuities are designed to do. Annuities are designed for growth, but they're also designed for income. And most people need an annuity. Now, if you think about it, what's social security? An annuity. It's an annuity. What's a pension? Annuity. It's an annuity. So, you know, you like annuities, you can create right? Your you, want, own. you want to create your own. Yeah. So an annuity is just creating your own source of guaranteed income to supplement so social who's, security. So who's the best person for annuities? Is there any particular class of person that... You know, typically, in, in my experience, the, the best person for an annuity, and I'm just generalizing right. here, is maybe somebody who doesn't have a pension, right? Who okay. works, Like me. Yeah, you know, might not have a pension. Might be self-employed or might not have a pension. Okay. You know, might have a certain amount of retirement savings built up. Um, Social Security was never designed to be your only source of income when you retire. It right. even states that on your statement. It, it was it, never it designed to be your only source, yet it is for most people. So I think annuities are designed to supplement your existing retirement plan, whatever So how does an be. annuity work? I mean, how do you put in X amount of money and you get X amount of money? I mean, how is that? How would you, what's the ABC easy? Well, well, well S- Steve, you're in, the, you're in the home business. It's the same way that insurance works on the homeowner side and on the auto. All you're doing is transferring risk. When right. you buy an annuity, you're transferring risk to that, to that insurance company, right? The risk of either living too long or running out of money, okay. right? So there's, those are two risks that I think are pretty real for a lot of people today. Right. So the risk of buying homeowner's insurance is that something happens to your house or buying auto insurance is that you get into a car wreck and right. you know you, 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 you hurt somebody or, or whatever have a wreck or a fire right so so if you think about the everyday things that we you and I do we transfer risk every day when we buy auto insurance or homeowners insurance buying an annuity simply is using it for a purpose typically it's for retirement and transferring that risk to the insurance company letting them take on that risk and providing some type of benefit back to you and that's the way I look at it so on your Medicare, does your Medicare get taken out of your Social Security check? Yeah, Steve, that's a, that's a really good question. So most people don't understand that if you're collecting Social Security and, and you're on Medicare, your Part B premium for your medical insurance automatically gets deducted out of your but Social a Security doesn't. check. A does not. Just remember, remember, there's no cost for A. Unless you're in the hospital, then there's a cost. If you never use Part A then there's no cost for Part A, Oh. okay? You've already paid for Part A through your paycheck. When you pay your Medicare tax out so of your paycheck- So if I go to the hospital- You're gonna, gonna, pay, you're gonna, gonna pay a copay. Up. You're gonna pay, pay a copay automatically. A Part A copay. Part A copay, right, automatically. And then they're gonna charge you a, a, a per day, per diem, per day for as long as you stay in that hospital. Now remember, and it's that's it. it's really only for overnight stays, right? So for it's it, an overnight stay is considered two overnights. So okay. if you're now if you're in there just for observation, you know they might observe you and then send you home that day. That's not considered an overnight stay. What if I'm there for a month? Well, then you're going to pay an awful lot of money through <laughs> Medicare Part A hospitalization. It could be it could be upwards to ten thousand dollars. For a for a ninety day stay or sixty or ninety day stay. Oh, so they're gonna they're gonna pay the first two nights and then you're paying their and, rate and then you're the paying a per day. day or per day okay. for as long as you stay what in that hospital. How much is that? Is it? Uh, it, it just depends on it depends on how long you're staying in there. There's brackets if you stay there from zero to thirty okay. days, thirty to sixty days, sixty to ninety days. But it can be pretty co- pretty costly. And over then the time. part B is what? 
Part B is based on your income. But that's called what? Uh, is uh, medical insurance. Medical, okay. That's so. for your normal everyday, going to the doctor, getting a checkup, you know, okay. any well visit. And that visit comes out of your Social Security. That comes out directly out of your Social Security check. You have, so don't have a choice. I see that on your Social Security statement. Yes, right? sir. And you don't have a, you don't have a choice there. Yes, it, it automatically reduces uh, it. So that's why we always say that Social Security is, is a lifetime, a declining lifetime income. It is declining. You think about Social Security, you take a steady check, it's declining over time because every month your, your check's being reduced by your Part B medical premium. Oh, okay. So it's important to complement that. We talked about annuities before. It's important to complement Social Security with your own annuity. annuity. Build your own annuity to complement that gotcha. for those expenses. But uh, yeah, those are really good questions. I mean, those are very common questions we get from a lot of individuals. When to take their social security, what age to take it, will it be taxed? What happens if my spouse passes away? We get a lot of those questions. Steve, a common mistake I, I think a lot of people make is they'll take their social security benefits early. Now, remember what we said about early. Early is prior to your full retirement age. Okay. So if you take your benefits early, you're getting a reduction in your benefits. Okay. But we find that a lot of people will just go back to work. And so I'll give you a great example. My neighbor Bob <coughs> retired recently from uh, Duke Energy. He's 60 years old. Retired from Duke Energy and he uh, you know, took a buyout and everything. And uh, we're having a beer in the backyard. And, and uh, I said, Bob, what are your next plans? And he said, you know, you're not gonna believe this, but Duke called me and said, they offered me a consulting gig uh, paying me about $60,000 a year uh, to work three or four days a week out of my house. I said, that sounds great. I said, uh, what else are you going to do? Are you going to retire? Uh, what about Social Security? And he said, you know, you know, Mary and I were thinking about this, and uh, I think we're going to take it at 62. Because, you know, we, we could use that money right now for vacations and see the grandkids and do a lot of that. And I said, well, Bob, if you take your benefits early, at age 62 and you work, they're gonna reduce your benefits. Let me explain. They use something, Social Security uses something called a retirement earnings test, which means if you retire early, take your benefits early and you continue to work, they only allow you to make a certain amount of money before they start reducing your benefits. The limit this year is $21,240. Now here's how this works. It's a little crazy. For every $2 you make above that limit, they will reduce your social security benefits by a dollar. So for every $2 you make over $21,000, they will reduce your benefits by a dollar. And they will do that up until your full retirement age. So think about Bob for a second. Bob's gonna take that consulting gig making $60,000 a year. He's $40,000 over. over the limit. So for every $2 you're over, $2 you're over, you're gonna reduce your benefits by a dollar. He's wiping it out. They're gonna wipe out his benefits by about $20,000. Now, he took his he's gonna take his benefits at 62. We did a quick calculation on how much income he's gonna have over that period of time, and he's only gonna have $22,000 of Social Security income. That means $20,000 is gonna reduce 
That twenty-two thousand dollars. Now does he get it back when he quits taking the sixty? Yeah. Now here's the interesting thing: if he were just to wait until his full retirement age, which is sixty-six, then he can make as much money as he wants with no reduction. So we tried to consult with Bob and Mary and say, "Do you really?" Do you really need to take was your that social security? Beer 62? or bourbon or what? That would was you beer. Use? I should have used bourbon, <laughs> but probably beer. <laughs> but I try to, to tell them instead of taking it at sixty-two, just wait an extra four years and, and take it at sixty-six, and then you can money. you can work for Duke and make as much money as you want and not have your benefits reduced. But so, Steve, that's pretty common. A lot of people yeah. don't understand that. They go back to work and they make too much money. That's a huge, huge You mistake. know, and they have their benefits reduced. Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you give those benefits up? So that's a common mistake. Because they mistake. think they're going to quit Yeah, Social Security, they, they right? think they're going to quit, yeah. So what's the politics on Social Security? Where do you think it's headed? Well, you know, what's interesting about that is they're still using, they're still using calculations from the 1980s, 1990s. They haven't adjusted any of those calculations. They're still, still using, for example... From your full retirement age to age 70, you get a guaranteed 8% increase in your benefits from full retirement age to age 70. Which guaranteed 8% increase in your benefits every year. Market. That's better than what the market is doing right now. If you could get 8% on your 401k or your retirement plan, Steve, you would take that all day long. Be happy. Right? And you get the cost of living adjusted on top of that. Which is you think about 1% it, or 2%. This year it's 8.7%. Cost of living adjustment. So that's 16%. That, that means if I wait just one year from 67 to 60, if I'm 67 right now and I wait till next year till I'm 68, I'm going to get a 16% guaranteed increase in my benefits. Why would I not do that? I mean, unless my health was really bad and I really needed the income, my investments aren't going to do that good. So, so those are the little things I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of complexities in Social Security. That, that needs someone to walk them through or help them na navigate through. The average person doesn't understand all the complexities. And I don't mean that in a mean-spirited way. I just mean that, you know, we weren't taught, we're not taught Social Security and Medicare. We learn it from our friends, our neighbors, the people we trust, our other professionals that are out there. But you need an expert to help you guide through that. So if anybody's watching and you're a financial advisor and you need a good consultant to help you on Social Security and Medicare, Dr. Seuss is your doctor. Call me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, we appreciate y'all staying tuned in for another Beach Talk, and uh, we hope to see you next time. Thank you, my buddy. Steve, thanks. Appreciate it. Bye. Pleasure.